Thank God. Well, let's look at John 15, verse 1. Praise God. We've been in a series called Relying on Him. And um, last, last week we were talking about specifically humbling yourself in this area, and we're going to continue that tonight. We're going to go over some of the things we went over last week and then continue. Let's look at John 15, verse 1. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father, father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And then we also read John 5, 19. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son does also in like manner. So Jesus says that you can't do anything apart from me unless you abide in me. Jesus said, I can't do, he himself couldn't do anything apart from the Father. So how much more us? Jesus said, you can't do anything apart from me. You can't do anything of lasting value. So here's the thing. Pete, we, when Jesus says you can't do anything, God knows what is something and what is nothing. So, see, people read this with natural eyes and go, well, sure, I can do stuff. If the ruler of the universe says you can't do anything, that means anything of significance without me, then anything that we think is something is actually nothing. If he says it, he's the judge. He's right. If he says you can't do anything, then anything that we would think, oh, no, I'm doing something, we're wrong about it. So we're going to need him to do what is truly important. In other words, when all is said and done, you realize this earth is going to be burned up. The heavens are going to be burned up. There's going to be a new earth and a new heavens. And so all the stuff, and I was driving behind. Uh, we were coming back from Connecticut today, and a Ferrari passed us on the left side. One wasn't going fast. He was actually going, so I kind of slowed down. <laughs> I wanted to see it. So it was... <laughs> I guess coming to the rearview member, it was like, that's a wide car. I said, what is that? I said, that doesn't look like a new vet. You know, there's a lot of Corvettes around that are, that are newer. I'm like, is that a Ferrari? I think it's a Ferrari. I saw a little yellow emblem that was coming up. I said, Christina, I think it's a Ferrari over there. So it came by. Sure enough, it's a Ferrari. It goes by, I don't know what model or anything, but, you know, those aren't cheap. I'm looking at it and goes in front of me. And he's not going. I mean, I had to slow down when he got in front of me because, I don't know, he's not showing off. He's, not, he's just driving. Just looked at it. It's a nice car. It's going to be burned up. It's not going to mean anything in heaven. It's nice that it is. Plus, you've got to maintain it. Man, you've got to get a new wheel or tire with one of those things. It's no joke. You got to maintain it. It's not just well, everything's the same. <laughs> you get a new tire. I remember one time early when I was stupid, like in my twenties. <laughs> not that, not that I know all that much now. Not, not, not that I've arrived, but you know, maybe less knowledgeable. 
about some things. I remember thinking, you know, I'm looking at the ads. We're, we're going to get a new, another car at one point. And I'm like, you know, there's used cars and there was these, you know, there's used BMWs and they were like the high, they were like seven series. I'm like, well, you know, that's only at that point, this many thousand dollars. I mean, why wouldn't you want to drive around uh, a used really nice car? I mean, that, you could get a new car for that much or you could get a used one of these. I didn't buy it. I mean, I didn't go down that path. I was just <laughs> looking around. And, um, but you know, you, then you get to look at it. It's like if a wheel goes out, I mean, if a tire goes out, that set of tires is not the same. <laughs> Does not cost the same as an economy car. Anything goes out. You know, you, you got to pay for it. Anyway, all that stuff is going to be burned up. And we may go, wow, that's really cool. Does God go, oh, wow, is that cool? I'm not saying he doesn't think that's nice. But <laughs> relatively speaking, I mean, he makes the planets. He made, you made the sunset. People go, wow, you know, the mountains. He made that. So you see a little mechanical thing. It's not that cool, relatively speaking. So when he says, you can't do anything, and he's done all this, oh, no, I made this. <laughs> somebody's right, somebody's wrong. So what are we doing? We were talking about in the offering. What are we doing? We're recalibrating our hearts to be aligned with his. When we see, we want to see as he sees. When we see something, we want to think that's valuable the way he sees it. When we see other things, we don't want to place unnecessary or, or uh, unreal value on it. So we need to live like that, that. And if we're going to bear true fruit, do something truly significant, he said, you're going to have to rely on me. You're going to have to rely on me. So, you know, we, we read some other verses. Not going to take time to read all through them, but just look at like 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9. It says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal toward him. Okay, so you can see this as we're going through. You see this clearly. If God knows what's valuable, if God knows what's significant, and he said, you can't do anything that's significant apart from me, and he's the one that, that uh, his, his value system is what determines true significance, and then he said, you have to rely on me to, to do anything of real significance, then it, it, it bears, it, it will bear up then logically that you're going to have to rely on him to do it. And then he, it's his strength that's going to do it. So he's not looking for things that natural people look at to accomplish that. He's looking at somebody that will let him do it. Because if you're going to rely on him to, to, to do something of true significance, what is the problem with him getting it done in the earth? It's people letting him do it. It's Because he's not looking at the person doing it. In other words, he doesn't need to get over the person, the ability to do it. You know, He's not looking for their ability to use it. He has all the ability. What he's looking for is people allowing him to do something. So that becomes the critical lever. That becomes the, they, they, God has all the power. God has all the knowledge. He knows what needs to be done. He knows what's significant. And then people 
have to align with him so that the, the, the place that needs to change or the place where stuff can be shut down or opened up is the human's ability or decision, I should say, to cooperate with him. That is the critical place. It's not the person's ability. God, are, God doesn't need our ability. He'll use it, but he doesn't need it. His will is going to get done regardless. It, it, it just is what, what uh, is going to change or not is whether we're involved in it. You realize the plan of God will be accomplished on the earth. It's just who's going to be in and who's going to be out. You understand that God will ask somebody to do something, and if they say no, he'll ask another person, and then he'll ask another person, and then he'll ask another person. It's going to be a bitter pill to swallow when people, Christians, I mean, of course, there's going to be people in hell that just, they should have called on God. But Christians, when they realize God was asking them to do something, and they said no. And somebody else, God just went to the next person, said, all right, you do it. There's also, I, I, I can't remember the details. Yes, I can't give the details. I remember somebody talking about, they, they ended up doing something uh, for him. And they went to him and said, well, and, and he, they, they felt like he, he spoke to him and said, well, you weren't my first choice to, to do this. I can't remember how many people God had gone through before they said yes. What, what's the critical thing? God is looking for somebody that will say, okay, yep, I'll do it. Now all that he is is there to help that person do it. But this is the critical thing. He's not looking for our ability, and he, he's not going to use it the way people use it. In other words, people, like in corporations, and, and they're going to advertise for certain abilities. And what they tend to do is use that ability. That's what they, they're, they're going to use it. That's what they advertise for. That's what they need. They're going to pace whatever the market will bear. They're going to get it done. But really, they're trying to do something else. You're just a cog in the wheel to get it done. And so they're going to use that. God is not like this. So people will say, oh, I've heard this, you know, you heard this early on in my life, and then you hear it different times. People will say, oh, if so-and-so got saved, they'd be an amazing force for God. That is not true. God is not looking going, oh, I just need your ability to do it. That's men. That, see, that's like people in the market, like a corporation going, we, if we got that guy on our team, man, we'd rock it. See, because they are literally just going to use the building. They say, what you can do, you did it over here, do it here for me. That's, and that's what they're thinking. God is not, doesn't need that. What he needs is the heart. He's got all the ability, and what he has makes what the person have has pale. He can get whatever he needs you to get or to do. He can get that to you. You see it over and over in the Bible, right? We could go through different examples. The people that were used in the Word of God, they, they weren't the one that was the most qualified. They were the one that said, okay, I'll do it, and then God showed up. And so many times the people that, 
that were like, well, I got all this somehow. They ended up on the junk heap. And so the world doesn't, doesn't behave the way God does. God certainly doesn't behave the way the world does. So we talked about this, then it becomes critical, our heart attitude and how we respond to him. James 4, verse 6 It says, but he gives more grace. Now, we're talking about relying on him. We all could say, I'm relying on him. What degree are we relying on him? And to what degree we're relying on him is going to be determined by what we're talking about here, whether we rely on him. Because if we're going to bear fruit by relying on him, then I want to bear a lot of fruit while I'm going to be fully relied on him. Jesus was fully relied on the Father, relying on the Father, right? So there's nothing that's holding back. So James 4, 6 says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he sa it says, or he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Notice it doesn't say anything about ability. It talks everything about the heart. He's resisting the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Grace is the ability to do something. It's got, grace is a multifaceted word. Of course, you know, people say it's unmerited favor. It's much unmerited favor. It's much more than that. That's part of it. But it's also the ability to do something. God's grace is what a, a gives you the ability to do something for him of significance to bear fruit. It's going to be by his grace because you're relying on him. It's his grace that gets it done. If somebody's talking about you being grace to do something, it means it's God's ability on you to do it. You know, Mrs. Hagan was talking about this, um, I don't know, Monday morning. You know, she was saying, she was talking about, you know, her background and how she started teaching on prayer and, and, and all that. And, and she said if, she didn't want to do it. Didn't want to do it. And she, one of the things she says is, if you're going to, if you're going to have me do that, you're going to have to anoint me to do it because I feel like I'm boring in the natural. I don't feel, and she's, I don't feel like I can do this in and of myself. But her heart was there. Her heart was like, not my will, but you, I'll do what you tell me to do. And, it, and, and she's a powerful speaker, and she is anointed. Well, that's the grace of God. That's not her. And she knows that. That's what she's saying. So it's not, it's, it's not, uh, our ability, it's our heart, and then God, His grace is going to allow us and enable us to do something. So notice it says, He gives grace to who? To the humble. What is humble? That means you, you don't think highly of yourself, you think everything of Him. So true humility, what it, what it means is that you're going to do and say what God says, and you're going to do what he says to do, and you're going to say about yourself what he says. See, people have a wrong idea of humility. Uh, in religious, in religious um, circles, people think if you're humble, then you don't have a high opinion of yourself. Like it's humble to say, yeah, I just am not good at that, or I, I'm, I'm not. That's not humble. In fact, if it's if you already actually are good something and you're say, at something you say you're not, you're actually lying. It's false humility. You don't want to look prideful, so you say something that's not true because you don't want to look proud, which means you actually are proud, trying to look humble. It twisted, but that's why the way of the world just does it. I don't want to look like I'm proud. 
So I'm going to try to act humble. Hum humility is saying the truth. Humility is uh, saying whatever God says. So if God says you can do something, <laughs> then humility is, I can do it. doesn't matter if you feel like you can or not. It doesn't matter if you want to. You're going to say what God says. If God says you're righteous, then you say I'm righteous. If God says you're forgiven, you say I'm forgiven. See, people, religious, religion say, oh, no, you, you, you say you're a worm. You say you, you're, you know, you're just nothing because that's humble and you humble. No, you, that's being humble. It's not being humble. It's being stupid. But, but God gives grace <clears throat> to the humble. So if we're relying on him, the thing that gets in the way is whether we're going to humble ourselves and rely on him or we're going to be proud and not rely on him. And see, the proud get resisted. I don't want to be resisted by God. Do you? No. So verse 7 says, therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands. We're just going to read them. I'm getting to verse 10, but we'll read through. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Humbling yourself in his sight, it's what's, then you're relying on him. You're doing what he said. Notice it says, humble yourself. Do you know you humble yourself? Do you know nobody can humble you? Do you know no circumstance can humble you? You know, people say, you know, well, the circumstance, that it's in a situation that's, that's going to humble you. You can be in any circumstance on the planet and still inside be standing up and going, no. Do you, do you realize that? It, it says humble yourself. See, humbling yourself is a heart attitude, and so you determine if you're humble or not. Humbling yourself looks like this on the inside. It's bowing your knee. It's saying, okay. See, I, I can be... All hell can be breaking loose against me, and I can still be like, no. But inside, other, in another, or uh, the opposite way of, of approaching it would be, doesn't matter what's going on out here, circumstance or no circumstance, my attitude is I'm humbling myself before God. In other words, whatever. Read a few more verses here. Psalm 138, verse 6 says, Though the Lord is on high, yet he regards the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. Though the Lord is on high, in other words, he's God, yet he regards the lowly or the, the ones that are humble, but the proud he regards or he knows from afar. Now, we're talking about, this is the context of relying on him, right? We don't want to not rely on him. We don't want to be far from him. Proverbs 3, 34 says, Surely he scorns the scornful, but he gives grace to the humble, similar to what we read in James. Proverbs eleven two says, When pride comes, then comes shame, but with the humble is wisdom. 
Proverbs 18.12 says, Before destruction the heart of a man is haughty, and before honor is humility. So this is the gateway. This is a door. So if we're going to what Jesus talks about, you abide in me, I'm abiding in you, you abide in me, rely on me, you can't do anything apart from, from me. Okay, well, right there, you know, right there, people get tripped up all over the world. They say, I don't need God. So what? They're, they're regarded from afar. They, they can't get near to God. Okay, that thought keeps them away. I said the thought keeps them away. And this is what I want to emphasize. These things, we have to guard ourselves from these thought structures and these ideas because they will keep us away from relying on God. From that place, you know, from people just... They, see, it's a thought that would come... When, when they hear, if they heard the gospel, you need to, to believe on Jesus in order to be saved. The thought will come, can come to people. You don't need a savior. There's no God. Any one of these thoughts, what does that do? It keeps them away from God. Well, in a Christian's life, we can be going, we can be dealing with thoughts that somehow keep us away from, from relying on Him. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 10.3. Now, I want you to look at this in context of what we're talking about tonight because it's actually very much there what we're talking about. We talk about thoughts and, we talk, and, and um, casting down negative thoughts, and of course, this is all true in here. That's exactly what this is talking about. But I want you to see some things related to what we're talking about relying on Him. 2 Corinthians 10.3 it says, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Now, we are going to get, this was all here last week, but uh, we got through like four scriptures last week. It was all good, you know, but, but here, this is what I, I, I was aiming to get to, didn't get to it, and that's just what happens. We, we, we go with the, the Spirit of God, but here we are. Notice this, for, verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Verse 5, Casting down arguments in every high thing that what? Exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now notice here it says, Casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God that puts itself up against God's truth. Now look at this in the CEV. It says, We live in this world, but we don't act like its people or fight our battles with the weapons of this world. Instead, we use God's power that can destroy fortresses. We destroy arguments and every bit of pride that keeps anyone from knowing God. We capture people's thoughts and make them obey Christ. He's talking about, because this is really what it's talking about in context, it's talking about any thoughts that would, rely, would come up against God and exalt itself against the truth. Talking about people knowing God, but this would also be anything that would keep us from walking with God fully, right? 
relying on him, any thought that would somehow be a, a field in our way of just relying fully on him has got to be dealt with and destroyed, cast down. Otherwise, we'll be pushed away from it, from God. Look at this in the Amplified Classic, <clears throat> just verse 5. It says, inasmuch as we refute, re so we got to refute these things. If we want to rely on God, if we want to be, he's, run, he's going to and fro seeking those that will trust him, fear him. These arguments are going to try to trip us up, and they do it all over the world. All, they're in, in so many, uh, so many um, forms, all type. They can be images. They can be things on Instagram. They can be things, uh, you know, on, on, on YouTube. They can be all kinds of uh, movies that, that have thoughts embedded. They're, they're subtle, but when, when we watch something, we have to be careful of the thought and the argument that's conveyed in them because it is trying to embed itself in our mind, and that can create a wall between us relying on God. And if you are relying on God, that stuff tries to get in there to where you take steps back, and then you're not on the path to bearing fruit like you really want to. And this is, so it's a web, and it's happening. It's so embedded in our culture, and people don't even realize what's happening. We were just talking about this. At, you know, we, were, we stayed with some friends when we were down in Connecticut. What was that this morning? At breakfast, I think we were talking about um, just some stuff that had to do with certain subjects in the, in the culture. It actually had to do with parents and children and how they're raising their children. And, and um, you know, our, our, our host was just talking about some things related to that. And Shelly, you know, because she has kids that are, you know, uh, see some of these things on Instagram and, and stuff that's being portrayed, she said, actually, there's just a lot of stuff out there that's giving certain ideas to parents and moms and stuff, and, well, you can't do this, and this just isn't possible, and a lot of negativity. It's not based on the word, and so kids or teenagers are, are being fed this to where they think, well, I just can't do this with my kid. It's just, you just can't, and you're, you're, where are those thoughts coming from? They're not coming from God. They're coming from people that have yielded to wrong thoughts and structures that then people get them into their mind and think they can't do stuff and that God's over there and I can't do it. What is that? That's a web of, of uh, lies that's trying to separate us from him. And it happens in every, every area. So what do we need to do? We need to, well, number one, be aware that things are trying to separate us. So thoughts that come into our head we don't just take them at face value or you see something, oh, it's funny, but what is, what is, the, what is, the, what is the payload? What's it carrying? Will it corrupt what we think? Will it corrupt us in relation? Because this applies across the board, but think of it in relation to how we rely on God. Is it something that gives you a, a message that you're, you're self-reliant? You don't need, well, that's, well, everything we've talked about, that's a dangerous message. Verse 5, so in, in the Amplified, we refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. See the way it, it sets itself up as an alternative. It comes up and says, God's word may say this, but this is what this idea says, and it's a proud and lofty argument. It's wrong, but it sounds good. Otherwise, people don't, wouldn't buy it, but they do. 
and lead every thought and purpose away captive into obedience of Christ. So when we're talking about relying on God and relying on Him, we need to be aware of things that would argue against that and keep us from it. Be aware of it, cast it down, destroy it. Let's look at it in the message the way this says it. This, we'll just read the, the message the way it is. You know, sometimes it puts whole areas together, you know, several verses at once. So we're just going to read the whole context. It says, the world is unprincipled. You can't, you can't rely on every paraphrase. Okay, the message is a paraphrase. You've got to line it up with what we're reading. But if it, if it lines up and it says it in a good way, it's okay. It's just explaining it. But don't, don't take it. You, can, you can't just take a paraphrase and go line by line and just be like, well, now this is the truth. If it, if it de deviates from what is in the word-for-word -word version, like a New King James, the Amplified's pretty good in bringing out stuff, but you just have to, to put it up against things that are just Young's literal. Put it up against that. And if it's saying it in a more modern language but saying the same thing, that's okay. Now, you'll see this is, this is what this is doing. The world is unprincipled. It's dog-eat-dog -dog out there. Well, true. The world doesn't fight fair, okay? We don't live or fight our battles that way, never have, never will. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation, but they are for demolishing that entire massive, massively corrupt culture. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God. See, that's the way it says barriers erected against the truth. Fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. So it's talking about this, these I like the way it says warped, warped philosophies, barriers erected against the truth of God, because guys, this is exactly what's happened in our culture. We're dealing with very specific things out here in our region that have been erected against the truth. And they, they, they trip people up continually. People have a way of thinking, and the way of thinking keeps them from knowing God. Not the same structure of warped philosophy in every place. Satan has different ways, and in here there are certain things. And so how do you destroy those? With the truth. That's what this is talking about. The truth has to come out, and then with that, pride has to be eradicated. Pride, Satan works with that. Satan is the most proud being that ever was. He... He was created by God, was given a, a place, apparently, of authority and privilege in the kingdom of God, but decided to rebel against God, which pride will blind you into thinking something like that's possible. Because logic, we're talking about an intelligent being that has seen the power of God, sat next to God, I mean, sat in the presence of God, seen, wielded power. Apparently, could have been like an archangel like Michael or Gabriel. Logic is not going to tell you, I can take out the Almighty. You've seen, you know, you weren't here, 
and then you were, and he was already here. Logic and intellect is not going to tell you, now you're going to be able to take him out and rebel. Pride will, will cloud all that judgment, even logic, even intelligence, to where it's like being drunk. Drunk people do stupid stuff. They do things that aren't possible, but they think they're possible. Boy, you guys just all got quiet. I'm not, I'm not identifying with that. I'm not saying I understand anything about that. It's okay to agree. Drunk people do dumb stuff. People that are under, dr under drugs, or they do dumb stuff. They, they don't see clearly. Pride is like that. It, 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 it'll keep you from walking with God, which if you see clearly, see, it seems like it's a real clear path. God sent Jesus to die for us so that we could be right with him. You need to get yourself out of the way and rely on him and you'll bear the most fruit. Seems like a clear path. Except you got these warped strategies and philosophies and all this stuff that's in the way and people by the millions and billions stumble in and just can't get from here to here. Because they get in here and they're just like, and they just they can't they can't do it. Why? Because it's the it's these it's in the mind. And it's in the church. It's not just in the world. All the ideas and stuff keep people from just relying on God and going on with him and doing what what we're supposed to do. It seems like, yeah, just rely on him, except boom, something pops up in an idea and it says, Well, what about such and such? And gets you, you know, here's what the word says, black and white. And it comes up and goes, and it goes, well, what about this? And you're like, this is pretty straightforward, but no, what about this? And so what does it do? It sets itself up against and starts arguing. And what does it do? Clouds, deceives, warps, confuses. And so we're talking about relying on him. One of the things that's a thing, a, a primary thing that's going to keep us from doing that is our reliance on something else besides him, which would all be stemmed in pride. It's some proud thing. Why would you do that? Why would you do that except there's an argument against it that we bought? Right? What would keep it? Because if it's straightforward, it's like all I have to do. See, a child can understand that. What do you do? Jesus says, you can't do anything apart from me. A three-year-old can seriously understand it. So you rely on him. Duh. You're going to get the best results if you rely on God. So what do you do? You fully rely on him. Three-year-old, four-year-old could be like, you rely on him. There you go. Answer. Gold star. <laughs> Adults are like, yeah, but finance it. Yeah, but... Uh, you know, this idea, well, what about, well, what about this book I read? What about this idea? What do you think of that? It's a good argument, isn't it? What about, you probably don't know about it. Have you even read it? Oh, that's your ignorance, see? And see, that's the type of thing that's like, and just, boom. The three-year-old would go, mm, I'm just going to go right in. We're just like, look so easy. And we just, cause, and, it, and it sounds good. People aren't like, just intellectually stupid, not being able to do it. They, their stuff comes in, and they're like, "Oh, yes, 
That's what happens. So what do we need to do? We see it coming. We got to put it up against the word. And if it doesn't match, boom. You got to realize what's happening. Destroy it. Cast it down. No. You got to realize it's there. The way, and, and people are buying it left and right. What do we have to do? Not going, oh, you're stupid for buying it. Going, what am I buying? What is hitting me? What Anything that comes up, we have to put it against the word. That's why we need to know the word. That's why we need to hear the word so we can say, wait a minute. That's not, no. And seriously, it's like walking through. I mean, you can just imagine a, an action movie. Something's, you're trying to get there and it's, you know, just stuff's just, you're, you're, it's trying to keep you from getting there and you're fighting. That's what it is. So if we know that, then when we see it coming, we'll be like, wait, wait, no, no, I'm not going to buy the argument, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, I'm not going down that track, because Satan's trying to get us to go down a track, we say, no, I'm relying on him, yeah, but you have this, no, I'm relying on him, yeah, but the, no, I'm relying on him, and we just stay centered, see, we just force field, this, this is what I'm doing, this is what I'm going to focus on. Destroy any thought, push back any thought that would have anything to do and make a barrier, anything to do with something against him that would make a barrier between me and him, and I just don't, I refuse it, and I stay there. Yes. Yes. See, now I'm building a barrier against it, walling everything up against that, but I have this directly with him. And I just stay there, and I fight to keep those things keep my thoughts clear, and to keep those barriers from ever forming. Amen?